the National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Yeah. Look. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenchel Williams slips through, here's a shot and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IonNWSL.com. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, at this teen treatment center, there were allegations of abuse, crimes, even a death. Why did the state of Utah keep giving it a pass? We'll review the investigative podcast, Sent Away. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and sometimes love of my life, Kevin Flint. Hello, Kevin. Hello, sometimes love of my life, Rebecca. <laughs> I should keep you in your toes, Kevin. You know how it goes. I don't ever rest on my laurels. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy, host of the hit podcast Strange Arrivals and our own Patreon deep dive book club podcast, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, uh, this is a Monday drop, this podcast episode. What is coming up on our next podcast episode coming up on Thursday? On Thursday, we're going to talk about the Hulu documentary, the three-part Captive audience, a real American horror story. Yes. Laura, you know, for those folks who subscribe to our free Crime Writers on newsletter, they know that you recently purchased a nice, hot-looking blue Mini Cooper. Mm, yes. And you've been scooting around town, but the cherry on top is a vanity license plate for you. So yes. we, we asked folks if they had some ideas about what your vanity license plate could be. And I know that you have made a decision. Tell us about maybe what some of the contenders were and, and what you settled on. Okay, I will tell you what some of the contenders were. Uh, Kate sent in Laura Inc. right on, quaint AF. Mm -hmm. Kristen, cute AF, obviously. Yeah. Lisa said, maybe in poor taste, but pet dick could be a business writer. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Could also be a verb, uh, just saying. Yeah, Rebecca Epstein, Cat Lady, Crazy Cat Lady are taken. Available options, CWO Lara, CWO Cat, Bricker, Lara B, Cat Forever. I had also Crime Forever. Sue, our um, friend in the Canadian lands, says cats are number one, PI for pets. Um, 
And Margaret said smart, S-M-A-H-T, smart. <laughs> Wicked smart. Wait, and we should, for contextualized listeners who don't know this, in New Hampshire, vanity plates are incredibly common. And very cheap. Because unlike yeah. in other states, they're, they're incredibly cheap. It's like 20 extra bucks to get yeah, a vanity plate. One, yeah. In other states, yeah. it's like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And in mm-hmm. here in New Hampshire, you can go on the state license plate and just search to see if what you want is available. And It's then just, not a luxury item. No, no, it's not a luxury item like... <laughs> Almost like, like lots of people have them here. So, Laura, what did you get? We're going for Bricky. <gasps> mm. Oh, Bricky. Is that your new nickname that we should be going with? Is it a Bricks or Bricker? Uh, well, I was going for Brixy, which is what Kevin often calls me. And that got around town. And when I picked up my wine order, it was actually labeled Brixy. Mm. But Bricky was a nickname when I worked in the newsroom, the community news editor. She was very dry. And I'd come in and she'd go, oh, Bricky. What are you doing now? And so I just thought as an ode to the old newsroom, which is something that I write about in my books, Bricky sounded like a fun thing. Is so that with an IE or a Y? EY was what E-Y. was available. Yeah. Ah, that's what was Great. available. What's super fun in New Hampshire also is the Vanity Plate Lookup Tool, which yes. is hours of entertainment. <laughs> yes. And you can't get, and you can't dirty things because they won't let you. No, 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 no. There was a whole controversy in the news last year about a lady who had something that was a little dirty she'd had for a number of years and they, they cut her off finally. There's a law so. now. Was that pee before you go? Yeah, that was her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was behind her in traffic yeah. in Concord one but time. It's, but it's all like it's all like in the eye of the beholder because there were tons of dirty plates that like, and then it became like, it's all in the eye of like the DMV person to decide. My mm-hmm. favorite well, is a license plate that is MY2. C-N-T-S. That's in my parking lot at work. It's supposed to be my two cents, but when you see it, it does not look like that. Oh. (laughs) At all. Wow. It's my two (laughs) for those people who can't spell. Yeah, okay. All right. I picked up on that. Well, Toby, you're next. I can see you in your little Prius with a vanity plate next. Bally. Balls. Baller. Baller. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Kevin, what would you get? I used to have Flynn, but Flynn was taken, so I had Flynn with the plus sign um, because you could have ampersands and the problem is all you can only get seven characters. Yeah, you should only get six. You get seven. Now. We yeah. can get maybe Flynn Voy. Yeah, F L Y N V O Y or something like that would be stupid. Nah, stupid. Nah. Yeah. No, Fuck it. no, no. If I get a car, I want it to be my car. I got to be honest. I really do like having like the license plates people don't recognize. So you can just sort of be. I had I had vanity plates for years, but then people see you, and I've decided yes. that I don't want to be seen. I got pulled over by a cop that I knew because he saw my vanity plate. <laughs> he pulled me over, and as just I rolled down hi. the window, just to say hi, yeah. and I see him. I didn't know it was him until I see him coming, and I rolled down the window into my ex-wife's disgrace or to her dismay. I said, "Hey, I don't have any more cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I consulted with the cops before I got mine. I was like, is this going to make me a target now that I have a vanity plate? Is a you killer going to come for me target. now? You were already a target. <laughs> That's right. Well, so I decided I was really going to live it up. So now on the front, I have a, a little plate. I don't What do you call it? The little plate thing that yeah, goes. Yeah, a little plate necklace. And it says, make way for the crazy cat lady. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I think we should probably get to our review for this episode, Kevin. America has been holding its breath, waiting. Yes. And yes. it's time for us to transition because this one is actually important and it's actually uh, not a light conversation. So let's all take it down a notch, shall we? Okay, Mom. I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip. 
honest to God, I cannot remember what was said or what happened to make me let go of Kylie for a second. But I'm telling you, the second that I let go of her hand and I turned around, it, she's gone. She's gone. In 2002, a girl fell to her death in a cave, part of a field trip from the Utah Teen Treatment Center in which she was enrolled. Though it was clear the family that ran Integrity House did not take proper precautions, the state allowed the facility to keep operating. I expected we would probably not prevail. Did that happen? Where you had tried to revoke a program's license and gone to a hearing and, and lost? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But in the subsequent years, complaints about harsh punishments and sexual abuse surfaced. Regulators did little about it, even when director Daniel Taylor was accused of rape and using residents as workers in his home. On occasion, you would sometimes visit her room at night. No way. No way. No way. Uh -uh. She told us that you would massage her back sometimes. No way. The new podcast, Sent Away, is a joint investigation among the Salt Lake Tribune, KUER, and APM Reports. It looks at the troubling history of Integrity House as well as Utah's lax oversight, which has allowed the teen treatment industry in the state to explode. Spoiler alerts, we are going to be talking about plot points from Sent Away. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Laura, as I said in the intro there, we have three news outlets here. So KUER and the Salt Lake Tribune have partnered together. I do happen to know that APM Reports has contributed here, too, and that APM itself is actually invested like a lot of money in helping outlets make podcasts like that is a thing that APM has done. They've gotten a bunch of of money. They've hired a bunch of people to help elevate local journalism. So what do you think about this sort of big enterprise stuff to help these local stories bubble up into this medium? Well, I think this is done in a really effective way because you have all of that reporting talent and all of that research talent and those resources behind this. So what could have just been a small local story about one of these treatment centers is told in such a way that, you know, something we've talked about with Serial and other podcasts where we have sort of a systemic issue, they are able to then zoom out in such a way that you really grasp the full magnitude of just how fucked up Utah is. Um, (laughs) I mean, if that song didn't traumatize you. Utah, with its focus on family, Utah, helps each child to succeed. Having that level of reporting on this story, they had to find victims. They had to find people that were willing to talk about the story. They had to have somebody that was a data cruncher that could look at statistics and put it into context into like how many people were in treatment and how many complaints there were and all of the issues. And then, you know, obviously tracking down legislative changes and oversight that is not really happening in this case. So I think it could have been awkward having three different entities all working on the same story together because they're not really normally working together. But in this case, however they were able to edit this and work together to put it together, 
it was pretty seamless. Yeah. And Kevin, you recognize Will Kraft, data reporter, same data reporter who worked on In the Dark. Yeah. And brought up all the jury stuff that we got there. What did you think about this whole multi-unit enterprise? Well, I think it was a solid podcast and with great reporting right from the, the start. We've got three great organizations and they're reporting. And it makes for a product that's greater than the sum of its parts. Right. So it ends up being a really fantastic look. And, and, you know, they don't do the thing where all of a sudden they sit, you know, sit down and one of them's like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, pretending to. Oh, yeah. Although I would think that in this case, this actually probably could have been okay, like with a panel discussion at some point among the major journalists here about, well, what do you think? Maybe that might be a great bonus episode, but they really didn't need to lean on anything other than the great investigative journalism that it did because it's got some great interviews, some great tape, and it tells a wonderful story. So, Toby, the beginning of this podcast starts with, like, a scene, right, of this, these women, these young women, these girls in treatment, I mean, they're kids, really, on basically a field trip in a cave, and it's not difficult to imagine how terrifying this is. You're on a field trip in a cave, and you're sort of feeling your way along, and there aren't enough flashlights, and this young woman just falls off a ledge and dies. So I cannot think of a better example of sort of lack of regulation, lack of accountability, just sort of lack of oversight than that. What do you think of that as sort of the in to this story? Because the in could have been so many things. It could have been an abuse story. It could have been the story of somebody, somebody running away. I mean, there could have been so many different ways to kind of go into this. And they, they chose that one. What did you think about that? Uh, I thought it was really good. I, I mean, I think it brings up a bunch of, and you mentioned a couple of them, a bunch of sort of themes that that kind of come up again and again, all sort of based around like sort of how slipshod a lot of this stuff is. You know, as, as you said, it's not regulated. But as far as you hear in the podcast, this integrity house, like the guy who put it together, he doesn't have any special training or anything. He just decided this was something he wanted to do because he had worked at another similar place before. But as the series goes on, you kind of hear that it's not as though he's got some sophisticated sort of understanding of what needs to happen with troubled adolescents. He's just kind of playing it by ear. And I feel like this cave thing is sort of a metaphor for that. And that he leads them on this trip into this very dangerous cave kids can't see where they're going they're holding hands as as sort of a means of safety because they have i can't remember the exact numbers but something like seven flashlights for like 22 people or something Mm -hmm. so the majority of people are holding on to other people hoping that'll keep them safe but it's just you know they they go in there sort of half cocked they're not prepared adequately and uh, the result is predictably tragic. And then when you hear later when like an actual person who knows what to do in caves and is experienced in caves goes in and do it, you hear about the safeguards that this guy takes, the knowledge that you need to do things safely. And again, it's just it's sort of a metaphor for the entire series. And talk about like the greatest root talk discussion you know they go splunking or whatever in the the cave splunking yeah tell me this guy gets a ba he gets his whole family involved and five months later he's got this treatment facility i want to go to a karate studio set up that way i'm not sending (laughs) my kids to see you know when they really need help yeah yeah well laura first can you just talk about that recreation of the cave scene because that really was stunning right we have our journalist kind of going in there yeah you know they go in there with ropes which they say 
is the way you should do it. Yeah. Oh, it, absolutely. So not that it's similar, but as I was listening to this, I was thinking this one time I was on like a cruise after college and we stopped in Jamaica and like we climbed a waterfall. And part of that was you basically held on to the hand of the person before you and the person after you. Of course, it was daylight out and you had like special little shoes on and you weren't in a freaking cave in the dark in the middle of nowhere. But if you let go, you were going to fall down that waterfall and like crash into a rock. But in this case, you know, you have these girls talking about the description of the girl who was holding on to the girl's hand and then just like all of a sudden she wasn't there. But then the contrast, like Toby was saying, where, you know, now we have like flashlights and we have 5,000 batteries and we have ropes and we have this and we have that. Holy crap. This is no joke. And that's with the proper equipment. Yeah, we'll shut our lights off for a second. Keeping careful distance from the edge. Oh, man. This is some of the darkest dark I've ever experienced. The part that I just like was kind of like the goosebump moment was when he drops the rock in the area where she would have fallen. So if you want to know what it sounds like for something to fall from where Kylie did, this is what it sounds like. Rock. Holy crap, man. Like, this is fucking terrifying where these people are in this cave. And that you had, like, teenagers and not even just teenagers, but troubled teenagers in there without proper safety. Talk about, like, Kevin, I mean, you were talking about the root talk in terms of how to, like, open a treatment center. But like, this was, like, the root talk of, like, how not to go into a freaking cave, <laughs> yeah, uh, <right>. basically. <laughs> But it was it was just so illuminating because then it goes to that whole bigger issue of like, apparently anybody can open a treatment center in Utah. I don't know. Are we missing our calling or something here? Like, what are we doing podcasting? All we need is a BA and a vacant house and we too could be doing this. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Yeah. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenchel Williams slips through, here's a shot, and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Savinia takes a shot herself! Hammers it home! Oh my goodness! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped, delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash hi. So, guys, let's pause for a second for the business section. Yes. Okay, right now on the Crime Writers on After Show, we're going to be talking about the latest podcast IP purchase. (gasps) 
Namely, adaptation. Adaptation. Namely, there in the works is some kind of TV adaptation Series? of the Murdoch Murders podcast. Yes, Mandy Madney's Murdoch Murders podcast. Exactly. It's in development. Yes. We've all had stuff in development that Listen, you know, but let's. But this has gone a step further. It is Aaron Lee Carr, right. a well-known true crime well, documentary maker. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about that. Yes. Also, on the Patreons, we finally have, uh, last week, we were able to get out Toby's Deep Dive book club discussion about the book, The Library Book. Mm. And uh, now, uh, sort of a similar theme. That w- that book was about, there was a, a big f- arson fire, suspected arson fire mm. at the Los Angeles Library. Really? So it transitions right into Toby's next book that they're talking about. Tell us the title. It's called The Arsonist by Chloe Hooper. And, you know, usually on the deep dive books, like I've read reviews of them or they're well known or, you know, it's somebody like uh, Bob Coker or Patrick Radden Keefe, who we know are going to have good books. But every once in a while, I like kind of take a flyer on a book and it sounds interesting or whatever. That's what I did with this book, and it is incredible. Wow. It is okay. so good. Yeah. Should, I, should I put it on my Audible and download it and listen to it, like for fun? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's it's I it is just it's so well written and so interesting. So anyway, I think it's gonna be end up being a really good discussion. There's just so much to talk about. But it's about an arson set, huge fire, you know, wildfire in Australia. Hmm. And sort of what happens, and then the person who said it, and I'm, I'm only about half, I've got to read like crazy this weekend to be ready for the discussion on Monday. Hmm. So Toby is recording this tonight. Uh, if you are a Patreon who sponsors us at the Crime Writers on Nation sponsor level, you can watch it, you can take part in the recording, and you could jump in along with Toby's other guests. And Toby, those guests are? Elise McGovern, who uh, is a criminology professor in Australia. And uh, Keith Sharon, the multi-talented Keith Sharon, who's filmmaker, podcaster, all mm-hmm. that. And then, of course, Julia Lowry Henderson uh, mm. of Bikram and all kinds of other great podcasts. So uh, it's going to be a great panel. It's a great book. So I think it should be a good discussion. Tonight, I'd almost forgotten that I had spent all weekend reading like crazy. So now I'm done and ready to discuss. Wow. So you'll also be able to listen to that podcast shortly along with about 280 other exclusive podcasts exclusive to you at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. And thus ends... That ends the business section? The business section. Okay, I'm going to fade the music out right now. So, Kevin, there is a central character in this podcast, which is Daniel Taylor, Mm -hmm. who is the guy at the center of Integrity House. He opened it, but his family is actually behind this whole enterprise. And apparently this whole other treatment enterprise that they want to open other places and they have opened other places. And there's this whole story this gets into later. But he's a central figure here. There's a lot of interview tape with him. What do you think about the fact? First of all, great sourcing that he's in it and they asked him so many questions, but also him and him being in it and his ability to sort of run this place. Just just I would love your impressions. Well, I, sometimes I'm like, does he know that he's being recorded? When he... <laughs> it really makes this whole piece of journalism sing that they got this guy and they could confront him or at least get his side of the view, his point of view on things that happened. I thought it was telling that when he is recalling the story of the girl who died in the cave, 
He's trying to say, uh, she had a heart attack because it could have happened anywhere. They told me she would have died anywhere. On a anywhere. set of stairs. Yeah. yeah, sure. At the bottom of a cave. Yeah, that, that's also some place that she might have she might have died. And he says he never restrained anyone unless he had to. I didn't really care for it too much, to be honest. Yeah, it's not the, the residents didn't either. They said it hurts. Was it supposed to hurt? Well, I guess it's supposed to bring compliance, but the last thing you want to do is is restrain somebody. It is dehumanizing, I feel. There are all these little, I I don't call them little things, but they keep coming up about, hey, your brothers keep marrying 18-year-old girls that were in your your program. You keep having girls from your program come over and clean your house. Yeah. That was a privilege. How about you ask them to give you sh- shoulder massages? It's, you know, it's like, wow, if only there were a red flag as, as opposed to 20. I mean, and maybe it was a privilege compared to shoveling horse poop and sitting out in the like uh, water trough with poop and hay. Or doing a therapeutic <laughs> essay. Oh, my God. The or essays. 50. Or 50. So, yeah. Toby, that, that is actually a, a section I wanted to talk about. Okay, there's so much we can talk about about this alleged program. There's actually like... There's so many just sort of things that we can talk about that were not therapeutic, that were just sold as being therapeutic. The essay writing and the fact that they had all these who are now women just like recalling this, that the essay writing was seen as this therapeutic thing. Reminds me like writing on like something on a chalkboard a thousand times. Right. Which like from the 1930s and 40s in classrooms, you saw it in a. A Christmas story, right? A plus, plus, plus. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he was just like, well, I read this and everyone says they're a hell of a writer now. And the reporter's like, no one ever said that. (laughs) You talked to a lot of people and no one ever said that. But that, you know, the woman actually said writing all these essays actually kept me from going to therapy, which was the thing I actually would have needed. What do you think of this contrast between what I mean, Daniel Taylor being on tape? describing these alleged therapeutic things that what he learned from where, like, where did he learn these things from? But the fact they have him on tape saying them, like, that's what's so effective about this podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I th- he, he worked, he was like a, a worker at Provo Canyon. Yes. The like sort of original one of these, these places the OG. where Paris Hilton went, um, you know, he damns himself. I mean, he clearly... You know, he he doesn't talk about this stuff with very much insight, really, about the students. I mean, it's basically, well, if you write an essay, you have to think about, you know, what you did and what impact it has and how you can. And it's like, yeah, I don't think that was what they were doing. I think they were trying to, like, just get through stuff because it was assigned to them. And it's just part of this sort of larger, you know, I guess, philosophy where they're trying to get these kids to be obedient at all times and, you know, enforcing it if they need to with uh, submission holds and physical pain and write a zillion essays because you mathed off to me. But it's all about like, you know, you have to ask if you can stand up. You have to ask if you need to leave the room. You have to ask if you want to go to the bathroom. So it's not really addressing like the actual problems they have. It's basically making it so that they are their behavior fits within this extremely, extremely narrow range of options that they have. And then the idea is you're going to send them back to your, the parents, and the parents are going to be like, oh, this is awesome. You know, they basically won't do anything uh, unless I give them permission to, in theory. Of course, it's not the way it works. Nope. So, 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. Just you know, working at a university and seeing you know grant opportunities and stuff go, and they and like the buzzword is evidence based practice. So that if you're going to do something, you have to be able to point to some study or something that says, yeah, this is effective, and that's why we're doing it. And there's there's just none of it in this view of the industry. We don't see any of that, and it is just desperately, desperately needed. Clearly. Yeah. So one of the other things that comes up, Laura, over and over again is the use of restraint and pain. And I mean, there's the essays, there's restraint, there's pain. There's also isolation, not being able to talk to your parents without somebody listening. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of, I mean, I mean, the big context we get these through is the interviews with Daniel Taylor, right? Because he is the sort of main spokesperson for this. And you did send me a bunch of notes about him. But what do you think just sort of about this philosophy and especially as we get it through his lens in this podcast? Well, I mean, obviously he did not have credentials going into this that would lead him to know what was actually going to work or not work or be helpful for teenagers in this situation. But yes, I think my notes were like, fuck him, fuck that guy. Oh, wait, he's blind so he can't sexually assault somebody because blind people don't have sex. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. But um, (laughs) I'm just going to say, I mean, the thing is, you know, we have this one girl who runs away and we hear from her and she is one of the girls who went to his house for special privileges. She was 16 and she ends up getting charged with resisting arrest because so she runs away from this place after he allegedly sexually assaults her, gets into sort of a scuffle with the police and you know, her allegations lead to this bigger investigation into what's going on there with other girls coming forward and then recanting. And I think these methods we've heard before in other documentaries and podcasts about teen treatment centers. And, you know, it's a different time in like the 80s. And But this was not the 80s. But like we hear about these things oh, well, back then they didn't know any better. They thought this was helpful that they were out in the wilderness and like tough love and all of this. But I mean, this was more contemporary. This is something that's happened more recently and they are still not following best practices for how they should be working with teenagers. So I don't know. I just say, fuck that guy. But I think what was just heartbreaking to me, going back to that girl who escaped and ran away, is that you hear from her mother who is like, cleaning houses and like cobbles together money to send this girl to this program for help. And then there's things like, oh, we have to be in the horse trough zip tied. And then even when they get that guy who works there, he's like, well, yeah, you know, it was a game. It was funny. I'm like, zip ties aren't fucking funny, man. Like I covered a murder trial here in New Hampshire, which was probably the most horrific murder I've ever heard about where they zip tied the guy and then they bludgeoned him together. I'm like, That's not a fun, happy game. I mean, I grew up on a horse farm. I can tell you there was a picture of me sitting in a horse trough when I was like four. Not for hours. It's not a pool. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a pool. I mean, even though I was living in Vermont, it was not a pool. So I want to talk about this regulator guy that they bring in, Kevin, because he seems earnest. He seems like he's doing his best, sort of. And when we hear all these scenes, right, where it's like abuse or not abuse, does this rise to the level of maltreatment? So it depends, okay? It depends on the size of the dirt pile. About the size of the shovel. Depends on the size of the shovel. Whether it's part of the program. 
What what do you think about this whole regulation and this character they bring in to sort of talk about this? Because it's 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 really something. Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about him. In the beginning, we hear about how he was concerned about that fatality from the cave with Integrity House and how he thought more could be done. And then we find out that, you know, when he comes back later to be the head of that regulatory agency, that his philosophy of, of engagement with the industry is to be helpful. Now, like that in and of itself is fine. I used to work for an organization where we would do something with businesses and we would bring in the Department of Environmental Services. They had a program where you could self-report and ask questions. Okay, is this part, does this follow the new regulation? And they would tell you yes or no. And if no, there's no penalty. You just, right, it was cooperative. Like, that makes sense. And he kind of wants it like that. It's like, okay, there's an issue. We're here to help you work and fix it. But at some point, you need to be the authority. You need to be the disciplinarian. You need to threaten licenses. And if the whole state, there are like five self-reported violations, something is wrong. You know, I'm glad there's a guy like him, but it should be somebody not as naive. And even though he's retired now and he's working in this, you know, this industry uh, organization, like it's not unethical, but it's not a great look either. No. So, Toby, there was one moment in this podcast that I I don't want to say it was a missed opportunity because they did do it, but I do feel like it could have been a whole episode. Then perhaps it was like a quarter of an episode. They kind of went into like the why Utah and they talked about the fact that people send their kids to Utah because a lot of these programs were sort of like run by Mormons, Mormon based. The people like want their kids to be like Mormons, but Mormons are at their heart hustlers and like entrepreneurs and that is sort of the spirit very much of the culture of mormonism is that like we have this culture that everybody wants let's monetize it i thought that little part of the reporting was so illuminating and great but also very fleeting you know what i mean right what what did, what did you think about that sort of side of the story because i just kept thinking like i think everyone in this story might be Mormon. And that is sort of a side of this that we're missing. Yeah. You know, I don't, it was interesting and it, and it was completely dropped and yeah, you kind of wonder, I mean, I don't know if it's problematic. It just seems kind of weird to like, you're doing a thing about these awful homes and you're like, well, the thing about Mormons is we're, we're entrepreneurial uh, in like selling our lifestyle or the sort of picture of Mormonism and how that plays in, it's like, are we going to this, like, it, this is somehow, like, ingrained in Mormonism? Like, yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure. So I could see where you might not want to go well, on and on about that. <laughs> well, I could see that. I mean, they're not saying, like, it's, like, all Mormons' fault. But to sort of say that they use Mormonism as a tactic right. to sell. I mean, I think there's really something there that the podcast maybe shied away from a little bit. Because, like... I don't think they're like blaming the Mormon church for the abuse of these particular people. But to say no. that these people used Mormonism to make well, money to like reform and yeah. abuse kids. I'm right. just saying I did enough Googling to know that's a fucking hundred percent what was going on here was they used the brand of Mormonism. They use the brand. On well, these I places. think the Mormon is I think it's about Utah's culture, which is greatly influenced by Mormonism. They Mormonism. Use the brand. But Utah has there's sort of a, an aura about Utah, just like there is if I said Vermont, if I said Denver, if I said 
Florida, like all those three things just sort of well, bring you up different good ideas. Places. Yeah, right? I mean, they're very, wow. San Francisco. Jeez. Port, right? I mean, like different things come Florida, into your mind. man. Nice and job. And so Utah, they're leaning into that. And they're like, oh, we are so, you know, our family values translate into high quality care. And it's like they're getting high on their own supply there. You right? mean their family values of marrying 18-year-old graduates of their program? Well, yeah, but, you know. But overall, like the real problem with these kinds of centers and and drug treatment and uh, nursing homes and stuff is it's hard to get quality care, you know, low level staff, quality low level staff for what they're willing to pay. So that, that ends up being a big problem to sort of, you know. All right. Let's just talk about top that. down, but also bottom up. Well, let's just talk about it. OK, so, Toby, it turns out you can just rent a house in a suburban neighborhood and file a license in Utah and say, I'm going to turn this into a treatment center and you can hire anybody. And five weeks later, voila, you've got a treatment center. You got a website. You can have testimonials. As we saw, because this family, they were going to open another treatment center at a motel that never opened, but there were already testimonials on the website as people who had already been there and had been miraculously helped. You could just do it like in a few weeks and you could just open it and parents are going to pay you thousands of dollars and your kids there. I mean, it's not to help. It is to make money, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's the thing that also comes out is that it's not necessarily even like misplaced idealism or anything. It's like, no, we can run this really cheap business, charge a lot of people a lot of money and get wealthy. And to the extent that we have to to fake it, uh, and they talk about like how there was one inspection a year. So they would get in, you know, they would have forewarning about it and then people would clean everything up and the guys would show up and they'd go on their checklist and say everything looks good and they'd leave and stuff would go back to normal. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just in, in addition to being abusive and horribly misguided and all these other things, it's also just a scam, right? At least, you know, the ones that we heard about. So they're not doing anything for the kids and you know they're bsing their way to being able to charge lots and lots of money to like feed a kid three meals and have them write essays in a garage as usual there's like the sort of cathartic final episode which isn't like i didn't find at least nearly as interesting as the rest of it but at least you can see that there's some recognition that there's a problem and there's some effort being made to rectify it in Utah, it's quite something that was let, let to go that long. Yeah. So quick thing, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, it just brings to bear, if there's any problem in the ether, there's money to be made. The thing I kept thinking about was opioids treatment, right? Same thing. Yeah. Yep. You can open a treatment center, open a recovery house. There is money to be made. Desperation breeds an industry, right? Yes. That's all I kept thinking about. Laura Bricker, the other thing I kept thinking about Paris Hilton comes out as a spokesperson for this because she was abused at one of these places. It takes uh-huh. a famous person or an, or an unlikely famous person to make movement, right? And that to me is also kind of incredible, but true, right? Yeah, and I think we've seen that. I mean, that's, you know, in any other like high profile sexual abuse case or cult story, when we have somebody that is willing to go public, that is known because you can have other people like beating the drum and being like, hey, this is fucked up. But then Paris Hilton's out there and everyone's like, oh, oh, it's it's Paris Hilton. 
And so that gains traction and that gains momentum. And and it's unfortunate that that's what it takes sometimes to get these stories out and get attention. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, we've seen that in like the Cosby case. We've seen we've seen that in lots of other cases where, you know, uh, the Epstein case where, oh, now we've got like, you know, Prince Andrew involved. And, and so now we're getting more notice of, of that. So Paris Hilton in Utah is like the last thing I think I would have ever imagined. I will just say, I think Paris Hilton is a very compelling person to come out on behalf of this issue because her whole brand is built around being a child of privilege and being famous for being a rich child of privilege. So for her to come out and say, my parents sent me to this place where I was abused and that's what my whole life was marked by is stunning. And I I actually think there couldn't be somebody better to come out as a voice for this. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Fretchel-Williams slips through, here's a shot, it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself. See the full schedule and find where to watch at IonNWSL.com. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asked them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. Tissue. All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should they check out the new podcast sent away? It's a joint investigation between the Salt Lake City Tribune, KUER, and APM Reports. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Sent Away? Um, This is a thumbs up. This is a definite ridge walking material. You know, this is something that you're going to listen to. And if you're like me, you're going to be walking along and be like, fuck that guy. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden in the middle of that, there's this like crazy song about Utah being a happy place, which it is definitely not just saying it based on what I'm hearing in this documentary. But the reporting in this is very thorough. The story is very important. The fact that they have multiple media outlets working on this enables them to sort of zoom out, which is something we've talked about in past seasons of Serial, that desire to see a zoom out on an issue to show systemically across the board that it's an issue, not just one case. And you certainly see that here. The ending is both really well done and also completely rage-inducing. And I'm not going to give a spoiler, but I'm just going to say... Despite all of the attention on this case, there is work to be done. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Sent Away? Yeah, I thought this was really good. I sort of echo a lot of what Lara said. Really good journalism. 
they also did a good job. Like sometimes we we've listened to podcasts where it's been kind of awkward having two journalists or two organizations uh, working together on something. There's a lot of sort of forced seeming working together. Whereas this one, it just it's it's very seamless. Uh, they they go at it from a bunch of different angles and expose you know an industry in Utah that was essentially unregulated and awful. And it's just, I, I thought the way it was set up was very compelling. And so I, I just give it a big thumbs up. That was very good. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm thumbs up on this. I think that the journalists involved did a great job. They picked an important topic and really dug down deep. I, I, it certainly struck me during one of the interviews when the subject was getting a little testy and said, you know, was saying like, you've done your research. Oh, you know? so yeah. great. What a great moment. <laughs> uh I'm a journalist. Yeah. That's my job. That's my job. You know, it's just uh, oh, looking at when the guy said, I know a lot of lawyers and cops. Oh, that's <laughs> when you know a journalist has pushed a button. Right. Right. It's something that, you know, needed to be looked at. And I certainly hope, you know, that the regulators and that the people in power in that state look at this uh, reporting and think hard about the ways that they can actually not give lip service to regulating the industry, but doing things that really improve the quality of care and the quality of life for residents who are in these treatment programs. You know, just all around great. I recommend everybody listen to it. So I really like this podcast, too. Um, we listened to a podcast a couple of years ago from Josh Block from the CBC called Lost Kids, which also looked at issues of a treatment center for, quote unquote, troubled kids where parents like paid a bunch of money to send their kids away. Uh, it was called Lost Kids. It was really, really good. But what I liked about this podcast is that it like tackled a different set of issues, which was about regulation and a state's role in it and more systemic stuff. And I agree. The sort of collaborative journalism here is fantastic. And in terms of the seamlessness, Toby, one of the things that I really noticed about this that I loved were their sort of unapologetic handoffs mm -hmm. between reporters without like okay, now I'm going to hand it off to this person for this reason. Like, there was just none of that. It was just sort of like one reporter did one episode, another reporter did another episode, and it was just like, we're not going to explain why or how. or It didn't matter. The podcast was just really well done, really well reported. Everyone who had done the reporting did their parts. And I don't know. I just found it very, very compelling. And um, the journalism was impeccable. So, yeah, really, really big thumbs up for me for Sent Away. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the, week. <laughs> the week. A California family said this winter they kept hearing a rumbling sound throughout their house. No, it was not an earthquake. It was a family of bears hibernating beneath their home. Officials Were they say Bernstein bears or Bernstein bears? <laughs> Bernstein bears. Bernstein bear. Okay. Officials say a mama and four cubs wedged their way into a crawl space, and the rumbling the family heard was the bears snoring. Conservationists were able to coax the bears out long enough to close off the opening. Officials say animals finding places to hibernate beneath homes is very common. It's what happens when a bed is not too hard or not too soft but it's just right. Panel, these Bruins caught a lot of Zs under that house. What were these bears dreaming about while sleeping beneath these homeowners? Laura Bricker, what do you think? 
Um, they were dreaming about Poxitani Phil and whether they might get a little extra long snooze under that house. Oh, what do you think, Toby Ball, these bears were dreaming about while sleeping under these homeowners' abode? This is in California? Yeah. Yeah. So they were thinking about the mamas and papas? Yes. Very, very good. <laughs> Kevin Flynn, what do you think these bears were dreaming about? Sex dreams about Grizzly Adams. <laughs> oh, oh wow. I cannot top that. All right. Uh, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you on the Twitters and say hello to you. How can they find you there? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, folks want to send you regards and say glad you're feeling better? Uh, at Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, folks want to say hi to you. How can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and please join our incredible community of listeners and our amazing group on Facebook. Just look for Crime Writers On on Facebook. You'll find our page and then hit join the group, answer a couple of questions. We will let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On after show. You'll get married with podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is the incredibly handsome Kevin Flynn. That's me. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where the use of arm restraints is always prohibited. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks for listening. We will catch you later. Later. I'm going to put the ad break here. Would okay. you? Could you leave it when I say put the ad break here? Because sometimes I forget where I said that, and okay, it's helpful Rebecca. for me to remember that. Thanks, Livy. All right, Rebecca. <laughs> so bossy. Fuck you, Toby. <laughs> <I'm just National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores. See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com.